momentum for the series kind of picked up this summer. You know, it, it, when, when you have folks that are important to you who aren't in a season of life where people usually die, it always sobers you, doesn't it? You know, this past summer, our congregation experienced a real body blow when one of our founding members, who was 44 years of age, good health, out for a jog on a Sunday night, trying to stay in shape, dies of some heart-related issue. And it just kind of makes you think, you know, this whole adage like today could be my last day. But we never live like that, do we? And we wonder, are the things that we're really working on going to matter? You know, I remember going up to the hospital just recently and sitting with Sean and hearing him, you know, Sean Kelly, some of you know Sean and know that he's been diagnosed with leukemia and, you know, just the kind of the gist of what he communicated was, you know, it just, it just snaps everything into perspective right away. You know, in some ways, our, the entertainment industry has been trying to kind of communicate that idea to us over and over again. You know, the very popular movie a few years ago was The Bucket List. You know, all those things in our lives we want to get done before we leave the planet. The country western song was, you know, we need to learn how to live like we were dying. You know, and all of them have that kind of their list of things that we should be doing. But, but those really aren't the things that really matter to God. But there is great wisdom. There's a need for us as individual believers and even as a congregation to live our lives with the end in mind. You know, we've got a photo up here on the idea, you know, we're, we're moving along the roadway of life, but there's an eternity out there waiting for us. And are we going to be ready for that eternity? Now, I will tell you, in all of my journeys, 25 plus years of pastoring, I'd never met a person who said, I want my life to fail. I just want to fail at life. My goal is to be the worst person who ever lived. I've never met anybody like that. Have you? So I'm doing everything I can to wreck my life. You know, they're not doing it on purpose. They may be doing it, but they're not doing it on purpose. Everybody wants to live a life that's successful, right? And we see lots of people who are expending extreme amounts of energy to achieve that success. The sad thing is that a lot of the energy that's being expended is not going to lead to success that really matters. It's like they're really climbing the ladder fast and with a lot greater diligence and skill and et cetera, but when they get to the top of the ladder, they're going to discover they're leaning against the wrong wall. You know, biblically, you might use like 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about the fact that we can even present to God, you know, gold, silver, or precious stones, or we can present wood, hay, and stubble. And some people are spending their entire lives climbing a ladder really fast to learn how to be great woodworkers or grow the most hay they ever can. And then when they get to eternity, they're going to hand it over to God and God's just going to burn it up because it's not gold, silver, and precious stone that's going to pass. And so I want to begin a series. It's going to take us down through Thanksgiving and really struggle with the question, of what does it mean for us as children of God to live successful lives. And so we're going to look at a number of things along that journey, and some of it we're going to try to to apply a biblical definition of success to our everyday lives at home, places we work, those kinds of things, so we can understand how it is that our lives are really whole before God. They're integrated. But obviously we need to start with what does it mean to be successful in the first place? What's God's definition of success? And I've chosen a passage of Scripture today from Ephesians, from Philippians chapter 3 that I think in some ways typifies what it means to live a life. It, it, it provides the clues that tell us what it means to live successfully before God. Before I read those for you, let, let me... I I just want to point out a couple of things to you, some foundations. And, And the first thing is, you need to understand, whether you want to be or not, God wants for you to be successful in His eyes. He wants you to lead a successful life as He has defined success. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. God wants you to live a successful life. He wants you to have a life of abundance. We may have some struggles about what that abundance is, but we need to understand that God wants us to succeed at the life that he wants for us. I mean, Paul tells us in 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, we need to run the race to win the prize. That's my theme verse for this series. Running the race to win the prize. God doesn't want us to run our lives and come in second or third or fourth. He wants us to run our lives and capture the prize. He wants us to come in first. You know, when the disciples were wrestling and arguing with one another about who was the greatest, Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, I don't want you talking about greatness. You know, I I don't want you to think about... He says, if you want to be great, and he affirms the desire to be great, he says, you're going to learn how to become the servant of all. Now, I got to tell you, many of us have some heart check to do. Because we don't really want to be great in God's idea of being great. But I want to tell you, God's okay with success. God wants you to be successful. Secondly, and, and this, this reality is just, just has gripped my heart stronger and stronger with each phase as, we, as I go through ministry. It is absolutely critical that you and I have a firm grasp on what it means to be successful before God. We just need to have a grip on this truth that, we, that never slips in our hand. You know, last time I, I played golf, we were playing in our league tournament, and it was raining out, you know, and, and, and the club kept slipping in my hand, and the ball was going everywhere. That happens to me sometimes when it's dry, but it happens a lot more when, it, when it's wet, you know. And, you know, we're not, we're not going to drive it straight if we don't have a firm grip on this. And, and the, the truth that we see in Scripture is that because our planet is still struggling with the consequences of sin, and all of creation is groaning under the fact that it's, it's not functioning the way that God engineered it, that life is going to come along and try to sweep us away from the destination of success that God has for us. And you and I need to have an incredible grip on what does it mean to live a life before God that's successful. It's what, without that grip, you will never conquer your fears and move out to be the person that God wants you to be. Without that grip, it, you will never have the climate of urgency in your life to take next spiritual steps. You never will. If you don't have a firm grip on that, you'll never have the sustained kind of priorities to focus on God that allows you to seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's just not going to happen. If you don't have that kind of grip on God's understanding of success, in some ways you're never going to discover the, 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 the grace of God to experience the deep healing for the hurts that come into our lives. If you don't have that kind of grip on God's definition of success, you're never going to find the wherewithal to, to overcome the obstacles that are going to emerge in your life. You're just going to kind of succumb to them. You're never going to muster the energy to keep moving forward with God. It is absolutely essential that you and I have an incredible grip and what does it mean to live a life before God that's built on his understanding of success? So let me read this passage of scripture. Now, Philippians is a, <clears throat> written to this, this church, the first church in Europe where Paul preached. He's in Rome. He's in prison. He's writing to the Philippians. He has a warm relationship with them. They've been very generous in the support of his ministry. They've sent one of their own to, to care for his needs while he's in, in, in jail. There's some things in the church because people are imperfect that are struggling. There's a little bit of false teaching and some disunity and some other things. And yet Paul is writing this message to them and, and he's seeking to encourage them in their circumstances because he's encouraged even though he's under arrest because his theology of life fits his circumstances. And this is what he says, beginning with verse 10. If you're following along in your Bibles, um, this is Philippians chapter 3. If you're using one of our pew Bibles, this text is on page 999, beginning with verse 10 of chapter 3. It says, my goal is to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. It says, not that I've already reached the goal or that I'm already mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. 
But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prized promise by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. I want to give you several ingredients that we see here for God's definition of success for our lives. Here's the first truth. It takes real effort. This isn't a passive procedure. It takes real effort. This isn't just an emotion. I love God so much. It takes real effort. Look, look at it. Look at it. I mean, Paul says that right out in verse 12. He says, I make every effort to take hold of it straight out. Then he uses some very rich terms in here as he moves on. He talks about, he talks about reaching forward to what is ahead and pursuing as my goal the prize promised by God. These are great words. This idea of reaching ahead. You know, you ever watch like the Olympics or sprinters, you know, as they get closer to the tape and it's a close race, they, they lean their chest out trying to get that. That's the imagery. This, this guy, he's running the race and the prize is right there. He's about ready and he wants to win and he's, and he's leaning out. He's trying to get, stretch everything he can as he moves forward. That's the imagery of straining. This word pursue is actually a hunter, a hunting term. It's like a stalking term. You know, the, the, the hunter is out pursuing his prey and using every resource, every skill set at his disposal to capture the prey. It's taking effort and diligence. So if we're going to be successful, our understanding of success means it's going to take real effort on our part. It's going to take some labor, some strain. I want you to see another definition of success. It is, and I, I don't know if this is a good wording, I whatever, but it works for me. The definition of success that God has, it is contentment resistant. You know how you can buy, you know, the seats that you're sitting on are fire resistant. The fabric had to be certified, so it's fire resistant, you know. It's true with our carpets. Stuff, you know, we, we get, you know, we get, we, we buy all, we buy things that are resistant to this or that or whatever. You know, if you and I are going to be people who pursue godly success, as a part of that, there has to be a sense in which we resist becoming content. Now, I'm not talking about being content with our circumstances, like Paul talks about in another place, but I'm talking about being content where we are in our relationship with God. You know what Paul says here? He says, Man, you know, I'll I tell you one thing that I do do. I forget what lies behind. And I reach out for that which lies ahead. I pursue the prize that's ahead of me. There's a way in which you and I need to not grow content with where we are with God if we're really going to be people who pursue success. Now, Paul might have been referring to his Jewish heritage, that there was a sense in which, you know, we're, we're the chosen people, we're the descendants of Abraham, I was a Pharisee of Pharisee, I know the law, I keep all that kind of stuff, you know, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, and, and he could have said, I, you know, that, that would have been enough for me to say, you know what, what else do I need to do? God already loves me. God's ready, ready to give me a big gold star and put me up on a pedestal and say, just everybody be like him. You know, he said, I, I could have looked that way, but I didn't do that. But Paul also could be looking at the facts, says, you know what? I, I can sit down and have a conversation with God and say, hey, listen, God, enough's enough. You know, you call me to be an apostle. I've shared the gospel. I've planted lots of churches. Lots of people have come to know Christ. I've trained new leaders. I tell you what, I've taken my fair share of abuse in your name. I've been stoned. I've been whipped. I've been beaten. I've been left for dead. God, God I, I've done my share, you know, so I'm ready for a vacation. You know, in the sense that, hey, you know what, God, God, uh, you know, there's no way, I've done, I've done all that God can expect from me, so now I can just coast. That, that's not the way it works. Paul said, you know, I forget everything that lies behind, and I'm acting like today is day one and I'm moving forward. You know, it, it's interesting that, that Paul here talks about the fact that he's seeking to take hold of that which God took hold of him for in the first place. You see that little play of words there in, in verse 12? It says, but I make every effort to take hold of it. 
Because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. He says, that, what he's really saying is, the day that God showed up to me on the road of Damascus, the road to Damascus, he took hold of my life. And when he took hold of my life, he had a purpose, a plan. And that was who I was going to be and what I was going to do. And I'm telling you, I'm living every single day of my life that I can take hold. It will become my possession that I'll actually become and do all that God intended me to do when he first laid hold of me. I mean, he's pressing on. It's everything about what we do and who we are. You know, it's interesting. I think a lot of times we get just a little consent, content. You know, I actually got, I'm not a big Facebook guy, but I've been trying to be just a little bit more active lately. And <clears throat> I got a, a, a message, a post. Is that what you call it? A post on my wall from a guy that I knew when I was in college. He was married, had a couple kids at the time. He had been just a struggling alcoholic. And God had, had brought him to faith in Christ and instantaneously removed all of his desire for alcohol. Just set free from it. He, he lived that way for more than a decade, and he became content. So then he just, yeah, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. That's not going to bother, bother much. Before he knew it, he was back in bondage to alcohol. God worked in his life for, again, but his statement to me when I saw him years after that, he said, you know what? So the second time around, God said, you're going to have to work for this one. It's going to be a daily effort to put that stuff. I set you free from it once. This time, you're going to have to work. See what happens when we get content? I want you to see one of the things about this definition of success. It has to be spiritually centered. You know, look what Paul talks about in verse 10 and following. He says, my goal is to be the richest guy on the planet, somebody everybody will look up to because I've got the best job title in my company. Isn't that it? Or he says, you know, my goal is, is to get drain, earn everybody's admiration because I make the biggest sacrifices for God, and, I, and I'm the, 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 the only martyr they know. Is, is, that, is that what you see? It says, this is my goal, to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Those are really rich, full terms, but he wants to have an intimate relationship with God where he's experiencing his life, the new life that God offers him in Christ. And this fellowship of suffering, I think it relates to this. And I want to be about the things that God's called me to be about, having a mission impact on the world. And I want to be conformed to his death. That means I want to have shedded sin from my life. I want to put off the old stuff. So i got to tell you, any definition of success that we operate in our lives, it's going to take effort. We can't get to a place where we're content. And it has to be spiritually centered. And, and this is very hard for us. Because it's really easy for us to define abundance by our terms. We can have a spiritually centered definition of success when as long as it is as God is helping me fulfill the, the goals that I have for my life rather than me serving the plans that God has for, my, for, his, for, his, for the reason when he laid hold of me in the first place. It has to be spiritually centered. It has to be built on what God wants. So I came up with an operational definition of success. And you, you can do what you want, but this is one that works for me. <coughs> And you might say, you know, you've been studying all summer and this is what you came up with. But I got to tell you, I, I, I think this is, this is it, it's, it may be simple, but it is profound. And, and I think it flows right out of what God's been saying to us from Philippians and many other places in the scriptures. And it can be a beacon. It can be in a waypoint that gives us guidance across the large terrain of our lives. Kind of like the sun that tells us which way is east. You know, and west and north and south. It can be that kind of a beacon. And, he, and here's the definition. Success is the ongoing, heartfelt commitment to be the person God wants you to be in every area of your life. To live successfully, to live successfully, is to have an ongoing, sincere, 
heartfelt commitment, which produces action, activity, effort in our lives to be the person in who we are and what we do, to be the person that God wants us to be in every area of our lives. Now, if you'll adopt that definition today and you'll live every moment of whatever time left here that God has for you, you're going to be successful. Guarantee it. Doesn't mean you may die the richest person on the planet. May not mean that you have the most trophies in the cabinet, but you're going to be successful. You're going to have lots of gold, silver, and precious stones to put before the Father. And you won't have much wood, hay, and straw. When you get to the top of the ladder, you're going to be greeted with a well-done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. But I think it takes a couple of life-changing commitments. One of those is a personal faith in Jesus Christ. Some of you this morning are here. Maybe you've never made a decision to say, you know what, I understand I'm a sinner. You know, it doesn't mean I'm an axe murderer, but it means I've lived my life my way. Sometimes I've indulged pride, anger. I've said things in anger. I've done things in anger or whatever. You know, you've just been selfish, whatever. You know, sin comes in. I understand, and I've never experienced God's forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. And you're invited to make that decision this morning. I'll be here at the front if you want somebody to talk to. People aren't going to look at you and say, oh, look at the person walking up there. They're going to say, man, that's cool. Somebody else is listening to good news of Jesus Christ and taking a step into the kingdom. But it also takes a commitment to live in life God's way by his definition of success. I think sometimes that's what we hope we're doing. It's not what we're actually doing. Isn't it great? God wants us to be successful. Be successful in a way that lasts for eternity. Let's pray together, and then we'll sing. God, thanks for the moments to hear from your word. God, I pray that you just would continue to open our eyes as we go forward through this series. God, none of us wants to come to the end and sense that our lives didn't matter or didn't matter all that they could have. God, it is indeed something to celebrate, that you not only have a desire, but you have a means for us to be successful, to live lives that really count for you. God, as we go through this series, teach us and start by teaching me. God, we understand that there's no way to be pleasing to you without faith in Christ. So we begin our journey today through placing our faith for the first time or anew in him. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.